Hi, I'm Laura Green, and this is the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show where I chat with the best authors in sapphic fiction. I hope you learn something new each week about your favorite authors and find your next read along the way. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. Today's guest has quickly become one of my must-read authors. Whether she's writing about pirates or fashion, her characters are captivating and their chemistry sizzling. Rosalind Sinclair, welcome and thanks for joining me. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been a big year for you already. Both Truth and Measure and Above All Things have recently been released. For anyone who hasn't read them yet, tell them about Jules and Vivian. Oh, gosh. So Truth and Measure and Above All Things are really a duology. They're the same story essentially broken up into two parts. So it's the same characters, the same storyline carried over two novels. Truth and Measure is book one. Above All Things is book two. It's an ice queen age gap romance with a twist. And it's set in New York City, which is one of my all-time favorite places. And I always love to write books that are set in New York. Vivian is the ice queen character. She's in her early 40s, and she is the powerful editor-in-chief of the fashion magazine Du Jour, which is you know, kind of the analog for Vogue. She's ruthless, she's sexy, and she is unexpectedly pregnant, which is where the twist, you know, surprise, surprise everybody. <laughs> and Jules, short for Julia, is her sort of hapless but loyal personal assistant. Jules is in her mid-20s. She loves fashion. Uh, she can really connect with Vivian on that level. She wants to be a writer, and specifically, she wants wants to write about fashion and queerness in fashion. And so the two books are really just the story of how they're in this, you know, impossible situation where their boss employee, they're, you know, many years apart, one of them is pregnant, and how through all of these things, you know, in spite of all of this, they fall in love. I really enjoyed how their relationship progressed and how Vivian only trusted Jules to see her vulnerability and help her with her pregnancy. I stayed up very late finishing those two books. Oh, excellent. That's a great compliment. (laughs) (laughs) The first four books you have released all started as The Devil Wears Prada fan fictions. Mm -hmm. What is it about that movie that inspired you to write so many stories? And are you always picturing Meryl and Anne as you write? Oh, great question. So I first saw the movie, the second half of it, when it showed up on cable TV at my sister's apartment. <laughs> and so I saw the second half of it. And after that, I was like, damn, I have to watch the whole thing. Went right, right home, you know, found it wherever I could. I think I actually bought the DVD like a nerd, like you did back then. And watched <laughs> the whole thing from beginning to end. I thought the chemistry between the two female leads was just enthralling. I hadn't seen a relationship quite like that depicted before in which it was a movie about two women that was also not about men. And the way that their energy just sort of bounced off each other, the way that they were really important in each other's lives in a way that didn't have anything to do with heterosexual romance. Like one of my best friends said that the men in the movie are just more handbags, right? Just more accessible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, you don't see a lot of that. Even now, the movie is unfortunately unusual in that respect. And so I really liked that. I really clicked with it. And I thought that Miranda and Andy as characters just had terrific chemistry. And they each brought out such interesting things in the other. And there was so much potential. So I saw in this movie, there were so many different avenues for storytelling, which is my favorite thing in the entire world to do. Just ask my wife. I never stop. So, you know, I thought, well, what if the film ended a different way? There's a million different ways to take that. What would they be like, Miranda and Andy, in different realities or universes? So I wrote a book called The Lily and the Crown, in which Miranda is a pirate queen in space. 
What about, you know, outtake scenes of what, you know, Andy did at Runway that we never saw on screen but never made it into the movie? I loved all of these opportunities to play. And I love the fact that it's what I think of as closed canon, which is like you get one movie and that's it. It's not a series of books. It's not a TV series where you can write a story and then two episodes later, everything you wrote, you know, goes out the window. It's like, here's the movie. That's what you get. You can play with it as much as you want. You can do whatever you want. So I loved that about the medium. And in terms of Meryl and Anne, I did picture them while I was writing the original fanfic, but they went completely out of my head when I was transforming them into original books. I I just didn't picture them anymore at all. Those two had amazing chemistry and they're such brilliant actors. Oh yeah. So good. I would totally be okay if they ever make a movie where they just do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's just have them make one of your books into a movie. Yeah, and Anne Hathaway has only gotten, well, they've both only gotten more beautiful as they've aged. But when Anne Hathaway reappeared, you know, for Ocean's 8, like my jaw was on the floor. (laughs) You know, Meryl only gets more beautiful with every passing day. They're both incredible. I saw her daughter, Meryl's daughter, in an off-Broadway play a few years ago. Oh, is that the one who was in The Gilded Age? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because she has Uh two, and they both kind of look the same. But she was in an off-Broadway play with Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. Oh, wow. Was she any good? She was. Uh-huh. And I kept looking for her Meryl. I was like, I wonder if she's here. I wonder if she's here. <laughs> Does she but, come every night? That would be great. I know. I would so love to meet her, but she was well, Of course. Oh, well. The Devil Wears Prada fanfics are your most popular, but what other TV shows or movies have you written fanfiction for? So many. Um, <laughs> I started writing fanfiction. Actually, I started really writing fanfiction in middle school and high school pre-internet when I thought I was the only person in the world who had the idea to take books and TV shows that I liked and write stories about the characters. And obviously, you know, I never shared them with anyone. I just wrote them for myself. And then in college, I discovered that this was a thing that lots of other people did. <laughs> you didn't so, You didn't create it. It wasn't your thing. No, I didn't. It was so <laughs> thrilling. I still remember my first story I posted for Star Wars. And I just remember posting a story, you know, back in the day to like an email list, a mailing list, and just thinking something I wrote is out there, you know, in the world for people to share. And it was just incredible. So since then, since, you know, 1998, oh my God, I've written for Star Wars. I've written for James Bond, Skyfall specifically, New Teen Titans, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Grace and Frankie, and a lot of one-offs for like, like you know, I'd write one story in a fandom, like, you know, I've got a story for Deadwood, The Manchurian Candidate, The Good Place, just really all over the place. Wow. I'll have to check out Grace and Frankie. We're watching that right now. Oh, oh, I loved writing for Grace and oh, Frankie. I really did. Such a great show. I recently listened again to The Lily and the Crown. I'd love to think of myself as Mir, but... Obviously, I have to be Ari messing with my plants and avoiding people at all costs. <laughs> Do you share any characteristics with Mir and how perfect was Angela Dawes' narration? Oh, my gosh. To answer the second part first, like she was perfection. Like her Mir was so sexy and cold and intense, just like the perfect ice queen. And like I was listening to, you know, like my own love scenes, my own sex scenes being read aloud and like my ears were just burning off. It was so great. I was like, did I write that? Oh my God. So she was great. And to go back to the other question, I am also definitely more of an Ari. I'm introverted, like, you know, not every writer, but like a lot of writers, I'm, I'm more comfortable on my own. I'm also a huge nerd with very particular interests. Ari fixates on plants for her whole life, but I tend to jump around kind of, you know, from obsession to obsession to obsession and just get deep, really deep into it, learn it, you know, research it, have a lot of fun with it. And I share that in common with her. 
And like Ari, I've historically had kind of a hard time asserting myself. And my life has been this big learning process in many respects. And that's a lot like the journey we see Ari take. You know, hers, of course, is more dramatic than I hope that, you know, most people's ever will turn out to be. But yeah, I would say I connect with her more than Mir for sure. Yeah, I was uh, listening to it while I was actually planting flowers. So there you go. Oh, wow. Oh, how yeah. fun. It's actually in the earth. Yeah, y'all were on a wavelength. Yeah, we were. Your first book, The X Ingredient, burned a hole in my Kindle. Thank I love you. how Diana holds the power in the office, but Lori has control in the bedroom and on the office floor. <laughs> so oh, yeah. <laughs> How difficult are those uh, scenes to write for you? And would you ever revisit those characters? Hmm. So for me, there's not a lot of in-between with sex scenes, which is that they're incredibly fun or they're incredibly difficult. And it's all about the headspace that I'm in. So like, if you're just not in the mood to write one, there's really nothing worse than trying to arrange characters into sexual positions <laughs> and like see if you can get some feeling out of them, right? But if you're in the zone and you're deep inside their heads, it's really exhilarating because it's a great chance, like sex scenes are such a good chance to push the characters to like their farthest extremes and explore what they want the most and what they fear the most and what they need the most. So when writing sex works, it really is like absolutely one of my all-time favorite things to write. So I like to focus on, you know, when it's good instead of when it's a little more like pulling teeth. And I might like to write a follow-up short story about Diana or Laurie at some point, but for right now, I'm focusing more on future projects. What are you currently working on, speaking of those future projects? So I am currently taking notes, brainstorming a lot. I've got a lot of really cool ideas and lists and character sheets and locations and places and all of that for my next book, which is going to be an ice cream romance. Boss employee, shocking nobody. I did not intend to go there again, but you <laughs> kind of follow the muse where it takes you. And that's just sort of how these two characters suggested themselves to me. And the ice queen is a successful businesswoman who's just opened her own perfume firm, her own fragrance firm. And her love interest is a chemist who works in that laboratory uh, making the perfumes that the ice queen sort of envisions. And it's not as much of an age gap, this one. It's less than 10 years. But I've always loved perfume and fragrance. That's one of those like interests and obsessions that I've mentioned before. So it's a way for me to use one of my deep interests and sort of frame a story and explore characters I'm really interested in. And in the future, though, I'm thinking a lot about moving away from contemporary romance after this project and really getting the chance to explore still romance, but more of the fantasy genre, really kind of give my imagination free reign. So I know I'm known for contemporary romance, so I'm a little a little apprehensive about making that my step after this one, but I'm hoping that readers are sort of going to be willing to take the lead with me. Hey, you can write about pirates. I think you can do it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I did start <laughs> off with Pirates in Space. That's very true. That's right. You've been fortunate to have Lee Winter edit some of your books, and she mm -hmm. has said Lily and the Crown is her favorite book. What has her encouragement meant to you? Oh my God, Leah is the best. She's absolutely the best. She's whipped my writing into shape like you wouldn't believe. Her critique is just invaluable. Like I want my books to be as good as they can possibly be. And so when that means, you know, getting criticism on a draft from someone who really knows what she's doing, whose work I admire and respect, it's such a bonus. I feel so fortunate and so lucky. And just beyond being a really kick-ass editor, like she's a really good, she's become a good friend. She's been super supportive. She's really funny. She is sharp as a tack. And she's always ready to like share insights or offer support. Or if I'm like, you know, Lee, what do you think about X, Y, or Z? Like she is there with thoughtful, you know, long responses that just really helped me out a lot. And I just can't thank her enough for everything she's done. 
If you're going to get encouragement from someone on Ice Queens, that's really the person you should go to. Oh, yeah. Lee Winter, 100%. (laughs) You recently got married. How did you and your wife meet? And what would you title the book based on your love story? Ooh. So my wife goes by Carrie Bird on Twitter, and she is also an aspiring sapphic romance writer herself. And we met in fandom. And I was mentioning Grace and Frankie earlier. That's the fandom that we met in. Oh, wow. So yeah, over the years, like before we met, we'd read each other's work off and on, but we were never in the same fandom at the same time. So she would find stuff I'd written a few years ago and like it, but you know, we weren't in the same live journal communities or on Tumblr together or interacting. And then we just sort of found ourselves in Grace and Frankie at the same time. And I was following her blog. And I saw that she had the very same really gay feelings about the show that I had. (laughs) And I messaged her about it. And it just started a conversation that has not stopped about more than Grace and Frankie, obviously. (laughs) But we just got into it. And, you know, she's brilliant. She's funny. She's a fantastic writer, like such an amazing writer. And I just feel really lucky that our paths crossed at that point in time. Um, Grace and Frankie, bring people together. Right? Yeah, I, I never, ever expected the relationship to become what it did. But in hindsight, and this is getting to your question about like what the title would be, it just seems really clear that we were meant for each other, like from the beginning, like it couldn't not have happened. Right? Like, no. so I guess I'd call it meant to be. I know that's not sappy, but it's, it's absolutely what I would call. I love sappy. <laughs> if you could travel anywhere in the world, what three places would you most like to visit? So I'm going to cheat. Okay. Uh, I've got places I've never been and then places I'd like to revisit. Okay. So the places I'd like to go back to, I'd love to go back to Spain and Italy and China. I feel like I didn't see enough of them the first time around, uh, but I loved them. And the places I've never been, I would love to see France. Japan, and the Maldives. Oh, wow. When are you going to do any traveling? Do you have any plans this year to travel? We're going on our honeymoon in July, and we're staying in the United States, but I'm really looking forward to it. Are you coming to Missouri? (laughs) Unfortunately not. It will not be Missouri. (laughs) That's good. Stay away. It will be Maine. It's it's an M state. So there you go. Okay. There you go. A little better than Missouri, I'm sure. What talents do you have that would surprise us? Okay. So I actually enjoy public speaking. And I've been told I can be pretty entertaining, which is not most people's favorite thing, but I do like it. And I also love to draw. I love drawing. Yeah, I used to do it all the time when I was a kid. And whenever I pick it up now as an adult, I still like it. Do you like drawing people or like landscapes? Mm. Mostly people. I like to copy from photographs because drawing people live, I don't have a lot of opportunity to do it. And it's also hard because, you know, people move around or they don't feel comfortable or whatever. I grew up reading comic books. So I learned to draw comic book style. And, you know, shockingly, I focused on all the women superheroes with the giant yeah. boobs and all the things that all kids <laughs> love. So, yeah. All kinds of stuff, really. You and your wife are touring the U.S. in an RV with three sapphic authors. Who are you taking with you and why? Okay, so I thought a lot about this. So first, I am taking Jay because she is organized. She's on the ball. You know, she's doing her sapphic book bingo. She does giveaways. She does cross promo with authors. She has all of her ducks in a row all the time. So like Jay would have the map. She would have planned the route. She's ready when the GPS dies in the middle of nowhere. She's got the phrase books if you're traveling in another country. There's backup plans. There's hotels already reserved. I would just have total faith in her. I would choose Lee as well because I just get the feeling like if we got into a tough situation, Lee would be the one to get us out of it. I don't know why I have that <laughs> feeling, but I just, I think it's true. I really do. And finally, Rachel Lacey, because oh. I follow her Twitter. Yeah. And it always just puts a smile on my face because she's so positive. She's so upbeat. And you really need someone like that along for the ride, right? Like someone who's just going to be there and and get you through it. While Lee is kicking butt as Requiem, 
Rachel, could sweet talk people? Oh, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) If you could write a book featuring one couple from another author's books and one couple from one of yours, which two couples would you choose? Mm, So that was really tough. But sort of speaking of Rachel Lacey, I really enjoyed Read Between the Lines. Uh, And I want to see Jules and Vivian hanging out with Rosie, who owns the romance bookstore, and Jane slash Brie, who is the um, businesswoman slash secret romance author. And I think that would be so much fun because Vivian and Jules don't know really how to be anyone but themselves, right? So I'd love to see them having a conversation, especially with Jane, about having basically a secret identity, right? Like what's that like to sort of submerge that muster yourself. And I think that they would both really relate to Rosie just in terms of combining her business with her passion, which is what they both do with fashion and style. Very nice. Good choice. Ah, Thanks. What are your three all-time favorite sapphic fiction books? This was the cruelest question. That's what (laughs) I do. (laughs) So I do feel like I've been running Lee's name into the ground here, but I absolutely have to give it to Breaking Character, which I devoured. It's like the perfect combination of Ice Queen and Ingenue, literal Ingenue, right? Because they're actors. And it was just compelling, so readable, like I blasted my way through it. The next one, I'm going to give a shout out to Skim, which is a graphic novel by Mariko Tamaki. Uh, She's also known for Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. And Skim is about a young Asian woman in a Catholic high school. She's like deep in her sapphic feelings, you know, still trying to figure out who she is, not quite out to herself. And she's also in an inappropriate relationship with one of her teachers. The art and the writing and the design, like it's just A plus. It's so beautifully done. Like there are places where it's really hard to read and other places where you just see yourself reflected instantly on the page. So hard recommendation for that. And the third one I know is so cliched, so I'm begging everyone's forgiveness ahead of time. (laughs) But it is The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, but hear me out. So (laughs) I read it really shortly after I came out for the second time, which is a long story, in my late 30s. I was sitting in a hair salon while my sister got her hair done, just reading this book, and trying not to cry when I read Therese just putting into words what I had felt so long about like relationships, especially relationships with men and how they never felt right. Why being with a perfectly nice guy isn't everything that it's cracked up to be. And just like suddenly feeling a lot less alone. Why she felt so much more intensely about Carol instead of this nice guy that she was with. And just thinking, wow, you know, it's true. Other people do feel this way. And so I'm always really going to be grateful to the book for that. Those are good choices. I love it. Thank you. Roslyn, thanks so much for joining me. It was a pleasure chatting with you and I appreciate it. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again to Rosalind Sinclair for joining me today. You can find links to purchase her books at rosalindsinclair.com. And you can follow her on Twitter at Writing Rosalind. If you like this podcast, you can show your support by buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclaura. Or you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash sapphicbookreviewpod, where you can hear your favorite authors playing hilarious games of Would You Rather. Here's a sample of this week's with Rosalind Sinclair. Thanks for listening. And until next time, happy reading. Would you rather spend a day with Mir and Ari on the Crown Lily or at a fashion show with Vivian and Jules? Ooh, I think I would like to spend it honestly with Mir and Ari, just because I would get to be in space and <laughs> cool, like, space things and like, you know, holograms and whatever it is that people do in space. And also just kind of getting to 
watch them interact, but I would also want to stand very far away and make sure Mir never noticed me and did not look at me and did not make eye contact. I think that would be very frightening. Would you rather have to give up cursing or ice cream? Oh, no, no. I guess cursing. Like I would bring back old school curse words just for fun, like bull feathers. You know, <laughs> good night. In the, my grandmother used to say good night in the morning. So I could, <laughs> I could work with that as long as I had ice cream. Yeah, no, I'd still have to have the cursing. <laughs> I could give up the ice cream, but I can't give up the words. Uh, it'd be hard. It would be excruciating. So hard. Also, I don't know how I'd write some. Well, anyway. I would read your book if you wrote bull feathers in there. <laughs> Thank you. That's an expression of faith. <laughs> 